This show is brought to you by the Fantasy Football by Brodo app, the only app you need to dominate fantasy football and become your own expert. In this app is fantasy player cards with every single fantasy viable stat, fantasy player grades, usage charts, start sit tools, who to draft tools, player comps, podcasts, consistency charts, game logs, coaching tendencies, articles, rankings, waivers, and every stat and advanced stat you need, including stats you can only find at Brodo Fantasy that are proven winning stats, including true throw value, true target value, true performance value, adjusted air yards, and true matchup ranking. All this and more is available right now for free. All you have to do is go to anywhere you download apps and type in Fantasy Football by Brodo, and you just download it and become your own expert. Dominate your fantasy leagues with the only tool you need today. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast presented by BrotoFantasy.com and the Fantasy Football by Brodo app, the only tool you need to dominate fantasy football. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. It is the week two recap. It has been a crazy week two. A lot of a lot of giant, giant giant fantasy scores and we are here to recap it and i am here as always with my brother michael what's good mike what up tim and we got a little wrinkle to throw in the mix on this one look something that's been growing in the fantasy world and if you're in the fantasy world you've probably you're probably playing dynasty you're probably in at least one dynasty league and you're probably playing so what we would we would probably in one and, and you're, you're probably playing. playing. Well, there are people playing. in dynasty leagues that are in one or not playing. They're in one and not playing. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> the the special the special surprise kind of just revealed himself. Or for uh, teams. But anyway, dynasty is important, and we are we would be a, a miss if we didn't update you on the and the dynasty impact as well. So number three on the charge, coming at you from the dynasty perspective of everything there is on the Monday recap, Mr. Matthew Ward. What's good, brother? How's it going, boys? Up, Good to be here. Yeah, so you know Matt. You know Matt at Psychord. He is the uh, the lead lead writer for BrotoFantasy.com and, uh, and the, of course, the Fantasy Football by Broto app. And, of course, he's on the Thursday pod. So if you're listening to this pod, you're probably listening to the Thursday pod, too. So uh, you know Matt. So with that being said, uh, we're going to do this the regular way. I know we've switched up the order on the last episode on, on the uh, Thursday episodes, but we're still doing it the same exact way this one. And you know we're watching the Thursday episode. I mean, the, I mean, so the, uh, yeah, yeah. the Monday night football game as we are recording this. Two so, Monday night games tonight. Yes, sir. Fire. The fact that it's overlapping is super lame. Oh, like, shit, annoying. I did not know they were overlapping. Yeah, it's a two-minute warning yeah, right dude. now in the Titans, um, Titans and Bills, and the Eagles and, the and Vikings, Vikings are, Eagles are about to kick off. Oh, let's go. Okay. But they don't have oh, a red man. zone for it. If I want to go like split screen, how do you split screen this bitch? Yo, I bet you there's a way. I bet you Maybe. there's a way. But we there's no way we can podcast and find that out at the same time. No, no, no. <laughs> so Michael's going to be have his finger on the last button, and we are going to watch <laughs> these games with you as we uh, recap the Monday games uh, with our with our usual categories. Don't forget, patreon.com slash brotofantasy to support the show. For as little as $3, you get the extra episode tomorrow where we will be talking about the waivers. 
And if you're going to listen to one of our episodes, I want you to listen to that one because that's the most important one. As we tell you, uh, you know, the your league can be won at the draft. I think there's a, a, a narrative that it can't be won at the draft. It totally can. If you draft a killer team, then you are going to win. Um, but mostly, unless you draft an insane team, you're going to have to win with the waivers. And you're going to have to win with pickups. And you're going to have to win by dropping the right guys and not dropping the right guys and picking up the right guys and not spending too much fab. And that's the way to do it. And it's it's the extra episode along with the DFS optimizers, which Cass's optimizer had Corey Davis for 3700 on every single optimizer. What other algorithm is going to spit out Corey Davis and Corey Davis end up catching an absolute bomb? 65-yard touchdown. 65-yard touchdown. Had himself a day, too. Oh, that, that looks like it could have been a pick. Ball hit the ground. Um, but with that being said, uh, we, have a, we have a run to Devin Singletary. Oh, it looks like a flag holding. Sorry. Anyway, um, <laughs> Michael's like, hey, get on with it, man. Yeah, get on, on with it go. here. Let's go. Uh, Patreon.com slash Broto Fantasy. You get that and DFS, DFS Optimizer and tons more. And don't forget to download the Fantasy Football by Broto app to get every single tool you need to dominate fantasy football. We got a recap on there as well. Uh, yeah, go check it out. It's, it's, a, it's a great place to go, to go check out. Uh, with that being said, you guys ready to get into our first category here? Always. You guys are already you already know news doesn't get read without Donny H on this show. Oh yes. So without any further ado, let's bring in Mr. Bring Don- Mr. Donathan H. D- H. Those stories and more in just two minutes. Stay with us. Thanks for joining us this half hour. I'm Don Harrison. Around the world in thirty minutes. This is headline news. Mm, nothing gets my blood tingling like a little Donny H. Ain't no Donny like the Donny I forgot his H name was Donny. Henderson for a second. Um, yeah, anyway. Uh, so the first bit of news that we're going to hit here. Let's start at the tight end position that has been an absolute dumpster fire already this year. Like yeah. already the tight end position sucks so bad that it makes you think maybe you should just get rid of this. It Period. But with that being said, we can't get rid of it now. Uh, Cowboys head coach Mike McCarthy said the team won't know about Dalton Schultz's knee and his week three status until closer to game day. Um, McCarthy said he feels good about the the, uh, scan, excuse me, but doesn't put Schultz in the clear for next week's game against the Giants. This is from Jake Ferguson. Uh, So it doesn't look like Dalton Schultz is on pace right now to play Uh, Michael the the Cowboys offense looked pretty good. Cooper Rush looked like a competent quarterback. I wouldn't call him Dak Prescott by any stretch of the imagination, but he looked like a competent quarterback. I mean, you have to if you were starting Dalton Schultz, there's not many other options you could start. How are you pivoting? Like what's what's your plan here? I mean, I was shocked that uh Cooper Rush and the Cowboys beat the Bengals. Now 0 and 2 against the Steelers. About to be and, 0-3 uh, next week, baby. About to be 0-3 because, you know, the New York Jets are nasty The dominant now. New York Jets. They're nasty now. But, yeah, so, um, <laughs> yeah, Dalton Schultz here. I mean, he hasn't had a tremendous start to the season. Uh, no pass catchers really have. CeeDee Lamb had a nice, uh, decent amount of targets this past week, but it's not like he, he lit the world on fire either. As long as Cooper rushes at the helm, I'm just not going to really be excited um, about the prospects of these pass catchers. Noah Brown was the standout, um, who I'm going to talk about soon. But that's about it. Like the tight end position is ugly, like you said. But Dalton Schultz, he he enters the ugly realm now. 
Yeah. <laughs> what? I, how? Yeah. I, I, there's not even no. There's nowhere to go. There's nowhere to pivot. You can't. You can't. You can't trust the Cowboys' offense if even if it's the the best guys on the field. And so, it's 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 tough sliding right now. But at least there was something there. Um, I'm, I don't think there's a there's a dynasty perspective on this one. I, I mean, I don't it, think. his his value is going to take an immediate hit, but it already did uh, post Prescott injury. So. Schultz is an interesting candidate as, you know, a top 10 uh, tight end dynasty asset, but he's never really, other than last season, which obviously was really impressive, he, he doesn't really have the same sort of value insulation uh, that other tight ends have. So unless he has another big year, it's, it's going to be really hard to continue putting him up in those tops of the ranks. Uh, yeah. Frank Reich said Michael Pittman made good progress on his recovery and could play week three. He's got a quad injury. Mm, I don't like it. I don't like it. That's the type of injury. That's those. That's those soft tissues, man. Um, those. Mm, those are not ideal. That, those are the ones that linger. And that offense looked absolutely horrible. And look, I'm the yeah. number one Matt Ryan hater, but you, you, the guy's throwing to Ashlyn Doolin as his number one receiver. Yeah, like, man. and and you know. Cut the guy some Doolin slack, but he looked horrible. Competent though. Doolin looked okay, but Not, he's still Ashton still, Doolin. No. I mean, it's Ashton no, Doolin. Ryan didn't look good, but no, it's Paris Campbell. It's yeah, Naheem Hines and company. Like they, Moali Cox, Kylan Granson. Like they need Michael Pittman in that offense. They let that team kind of deteriorate on offense, and they, I think they're relying too much on one guy, and that's Michael Pittman. So he, they might rush him back. And look, I'm not predicting injury or anything, but I, I don't want to see them rush him back, and they might rush him back. I mean, I hear you there. Nobody ever wants to. Wants a secondary injury to happen um, because someone's rushed. That's always a bad news bears stuff. What's uh, what's the outlook on Pittman right now, in Dynasty Matt? I mean, it's not a significant enough injury that it's really going to take him out of the top twelve, which is where he's been residing all off season. And obviously, after first big week, he kind of got an immediate boost in a trade value. I think it's not like panic time or cause for concern um, until it's a more serious injury. But as we had, you know, have heard before, like soft tissue injuries like this can certainly linger linger and cause uh, a lack in production. But he's the wide receiver one there and has proven that he can handle that role and and succeed in it. So I think people are still going to value him pretty highly. Uh, This is the saddest news of the day. The news that shocked the, the fantasy world yesterday a better camera angle is the only reason why you didn't see Trey Lance's ankle like shatter in the other way like you've seen it before. Had successful surgery today, so that's good news. But Trey Lance's season is done, and that whole drama about Jimmy G and it did, it ended up not mattering at all. And sorry, we're cutting it off. Jalen Hurts just powered powered his way into the end zone. That was an impressive run. Um, so. Yeah, uh, where was I? What was I talking about? It took my opinion. It took my, it took my Trey Lance. Trey Lance, Trey Lance, Jimmy G's back. So in one sense, yes, Trey Lance is gone, but in another sense, now you kind of have more familiarity in the 49ers' offense from a prediction standpoint. So you can kind of make a more clear, you can kind of have a more clear idea of what is. And now, if you got Jeff Wilson on your waiver wire last week, and he's he's a much better value. Now with Jimmy G, I think Brandon Ayuk is a much better value and now Tyrion than Davis Jimmy G. Price got hurt. And Tyrion Davis Price got hurt. That was one yeah, of the, the six news weeks out as well. or four to six weeks out with a high ankle sprain. So Jeff Wilson's looking like a good spend at the moment because Elijah Wilson is Elijah Mitchell is out as well. So 
That I wasn't a fan of it when when I mean, Trey Lance why, was in. That's why Jeff Wilson was always the priority ad last week. I mean, that's why people. That's why you guys should fucking listen to Brodo, man. All I saw on Twitter all week was let your friends spend up for Jeff Wilson. Go get Jordan Mason for half the price. Jordan Mason didn't even see a snap. Hey, hey. Jordan. People forget that Jordan. Everyone was big, having a big deal that Jordan Mason was uh, active on game day. Yo. Teams don't activate more than three, more than two running backs most of these teams these days. Yeah. I mean, I said on the waiver pod, I was he like, was yo, special if you want to add jo- Jordan Mason as your last uh, last man to your bench for free, go for it. But if you're going to get a running back, it's going to be Jeff Wilson. Uh, how, how is this looking for his or for Trey Lance's dynasty value? Uh, uh, it, it's c- catastrophic, to Oof. be an honest, man. He hasn't played... Uh, Started in consecutive games for three and a half years uh, by the time his return is expected. So if he makes it through the first two weeks of his return in 2023, that would be the first two games that he's finished since 2019. So that, that's Louise. not great. Yeah, um, there, there's really no there was already really no one to project Trey Lance into other than familiar phenomenal rushers and other collegiate rushers that essentially owned the entire market share of their team's rushing which is what Trey Lance did but he had such limited playing time in college he essentially didn't play his entire last year before getting drafted third overall and then didn't play his entire first year um so this is absolutely catastrophic for his development and for any value especially if an injury like this as we have seen in the past, although it wasn't a compound fracture, they're reporting like Dak Prescott's was, um, but injuries like this certainly affect quarterback mobility. And that was what Trey Lance's ceiling was attached to in the first place, because we just didn't really know what he was as a passer, other than the fact that he had a hose attached to his shoulder and can whip it 70 yards. But from an accuracy and a developing standpoint and a pocket passer standpoint, which is what he might now have to become, or at least hope to develop in a very quick process. It's a little scary to, to, project him as anything other than a QB two upon return. If he ever does in a starting role. Oh man, that is a, that is a lot harsher than I was expecting to hear to be honest. Uh, but it makes sense because there's just no positive things to point to though. Like it's such, he was a, such an outlier prospect in the first place that there is no positive. Like I, I I don't want to project something that's impossible because there's no other example of it. Dak Prescott had this injury uh, a few years ago. And and he got the surgery a few years ago, and he still needs to wear like special cleats because if he puts on mm-hmm. he puts on the wrong cleats, he he gets ankle issues. He missed practice in the summer in uh, I think August or earlier in the year, sometime earlier in the year because of that. So it was uh, man, best was just the train last man. That's, that sucks, bro. Yeah, absolutely. That really sucks, and, and it really is like it's nothing but prayers up for the kid, and I hope he makes a speedy recovery and, and a triumphant return and is the star that we all thought he had the potential to become. Um, but it, it's, it's really tough from a fantasy perspective, like people that are suggesting, you know, a late first or something is worth it. I, I'm not entirely sure that it is at this point. Jerry Judy, uh, his chest slash sternum got injured. He left the game on uh, Sunday considered day to day. So that's good. Uh, hearing good news about Jerry Judy, uh, the Broncos need him right now because Russell Wilson in the past game did not look good. Uh, Michael, uh, what? 
I just want to talk about the Broncos in in general here. We're and gonna Judy. talk about uh, are we? The Broncos All right, later. so yeah, sorry about that. That's that's poor hosting uh, on my part. I'm gonna take responsibility for that one. Um, next one, <laughs> uh, Cowboys executive vice president Stephen Jones said on Idiot. 105.3 The Fan that it is certainly possible that Michael Gallup could suit up in Week Three against the Giants. This is interesting because they no- need that. Noah Brown. Had a nice game, and I think that Noel Brown is worth a look in fantasy as long as uh, Cooper Rush is the quarterback because they were talking about him and Noel Brown have kind of like a— gracious, Tim. I really hate you sometimes. Shut up. I legitimately hate you sometimes when you say shut things like up. maybe you could trust Noah Brown No, with man, Rush. just take a look at him. I'm not saying start him. Put him on your bench. See what happens. There, there's worse people that you could have. No, there isn't. Noah Brown is the worst person you could <laughs> add to your bench. I disagree. He got some work last night, and they Goodness have gracious. and they have good chemistry. No, if you started Noah Brown yesterday, you were happy. You were also an idiot. Sometimes you get lucky. Yeah, well, they have great chemistry. They've been playing together for a long time. They have good chemistry. There's that's a thing, Michael. Michael only doesn't doesn't like to think about the human nature of anything. They're humans, bro. Chemistry matters. All right. Okay? Nope. <laughs> what is this? Michael Gallup. Michael Gallup's going to eat into Noah Brown, though, if Michael Gallup comes back. So so all your Noah Brown wide receiver one stashes, like uh, Michael like Michael says, Michael is supporting the wide receiver, the Noah Brown uh, wide receiver one. Matt, uh, let me ask you a question. How, how many first-round picks would you trade for Noah Brown? <laughs> uh... <laughs> Like four, I mean, like four first round picks, like four right? Four or five. Brown? <laughs> right. In the year like 2072, maybe one. All right. NFL Network's <laughs> Ian Rappaport. Of imagine, NFL real Network. quick though, imagine how pissed Matt would be once 2072 came around. <laughs> and yeah, man. It's true. I would be <laughs> like, so angry. Can't believe I traded this shit for Noah Brown. Um, <laughs> NFL Network's Ian Rappaport reports that James Conner's ankle injury is not considered long-term or serious. Uh, that is, that's an interesting one here, um, because you had two guys that you were gonna have to figure out. Who am I picking from, Daryl Williams, or am I picking from, or am I are gonna take a shot at Eno Benjamin? It looked like Williams was the better player uh, last week, but. They both look decent. How are you guys feeling about that backfield if Connor can't go? I mean, if well, Connor, well, I mean, it was essentially the epitome of a committee. Ooh, mm-hmm. bars. Um, but <laughs> they had the exact same amount of carries, and Eno out-targeted him. Um, only four more snaps for Daryl Williams. So, if James Connor can't go, I think you can expect more of the same. It's just a committee at that point. I don't think they're going to increase Eno's role. I think he's just there as a change of pace. And he's a pretty efficient runner and pass catcher, so he can definitely get some chunk yards for them, but that's not something that you want in your fantasy lineup. And then any of Daryl Williams' upside is kind of vultured by the fact that they're not going to give him a James Connor workload. Correct. You, you'd probably just be banking on a touchdown or some pass catching work in a in a scenario uh, similar to Las Vegas where they ended up just needing to pass for a quarter and a half from the middle of the third to the, to through the fourth. Um, Mike Evans, Tom Brady started a fight and Mike Evans decided I am going to hit the shit out of Marshawn Lattimore. Cause yeah, I this is one of the guy. most lame suspensions I've probably ever seen. In uh, you got to do it, bro. Mike Evans. No, you don't bro. Mike Evans. It's is not a like menace. he went over there and fucking rocked. 
Marshall Lattimore in he the face. He did. He, he hit him bro. as it like an NFL bro. hit. He blindsided he, him. People forget that this and is Lattimore his, literally his third offense doing right. this to Lattimore. He's exactly. been suspended one game and warned once before already, too. Like, Lattimore lives in that dude's head rent-free. For real. And he, like, just, yo, there was no reason for that shit, man. Come on. So, it's like Mike Evans has already faced a one-game suspension for this essentially this exact same thing. And, it, I, I mean, I'm not saying it should have been more, but, like, it's not his first offense doing this as well. So the league's just like, what the fuck, Mike? <laughs> like, yeah, I, I really think that that's a pretty, like, it's just got to be one. I think it could have been one for Lattimore, too, and I'm a Saints fan. So, like, I'll just say that. Like, I do think it could have been one each, but it definitely has to be one. I mean, Leonard Fournette, I like what Leonard Fournette did. Leonard Fournette, when, when Marshawn Lattimore said some shit to Brady, Brady turned around, Lattimore turned around, like, Marshawn, like, Fournette, Got in the way and is like, yo, this is yo, this is Tom Brady. Get the fuck out of his face. Like, I'm gonna protect Tom Brady. But then, yo, Mike Evans just came running out of nowhere. He had nothing to do with the, the whole thing, and he just blindsides the dude. Oh, you can really, you could, you could really hurt someone like that, bro. I think uh, Mike Evans was actually onto like a pretty decent game too. He was having kind of one of his better first halves against Lattimore as probably, far as a career standpoint. Probably his best. Yeah, well, legit. Like Lattimore has held him to zero receptions before, so. It's wild. Anyway, uh, that was the last piece of news. Um, the, but there is this one piece of news that I want to go over uh, real quick. Well, Justin Just Herbert has a rib cartilage fracture. Oh, yeah, that's right. Good. A little bit of an old news. Uh, what's the outlook on him at the moment? How are you? How are you proceeding, Michael? If you're a redraft owner of of Justin Herbert, if Justin Herbert's playing, Justin Herbert's in your starting lineup. Simple as that. Yeah, you. He doesn't. It doesn't sound like he's going to miss time. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a pain management thing, and you always risk, you know, maybe he gets hit hard in the uh, that area again, um, and maybe he gets forced yeah, out of sure. a game early or something of that sort, but it's still Justin Herbert, and uh, as long as they're suiting him up and they're comfortable with him being out on the field, you should be doing the same. Uh, Nathaniel Hackett said, if I was the fans, I'd be booing me too. Nathaniel, yeah, Nathaniel Hackett uh, should be saying that. He's Some of the worst game management I've ever seen in my entire life, bro. He probably probably is the worst, the uh, honestly the worst possible dude. first two games outside of he won one of them. Dude, they had a fourth and one at like the thirty-seven or some shit. I thought they were gonna go for it. They don't. Instead of using a timeout to kick a field goal, they get a delay of game and then they punt. Well, they I were, was like, yo, this is the worst fucking shit I've ever seen in my life. They were setting up for a field goal. Yeah, and they got a delay. No, game. they were gonna go for it, and yeah, and then they ran yeah. out the field goal unit, and then they didn't use a timeout, and then they punted. <laughs> I wanted, yo, oh man, I was so Insane. heated. Well, it's it's not like you could trust what's his face, Russell Wilson. That dude sucks now. All right, let's get into this next category. Now that we've talked about uh, Nathaniel Hackett not hacking it, am I right or am I right? Hey, hey, oh. Let's get into our first category. The we saw that coming. Things that we knew were coming. We just knew it. I saw that coming from a mile away. So, uh, since Matt is coming from a dynasty perspective, we're going to go last on Matt. All right? So, usually I let the guest... Not not the guest. Matt's not a guest. He's on the show. Uh, but, the, you know, he, it's his first show. Let him go first. You know, I'm a gentleman like that. But this time around, I'm going to go with you, Michael. Let's go from the redraft angle. Michael, who's your first We Saw That Coming? Sure. Uh, my first We Saw That Coming, uh, it took a while to get it going, but Kyler Murray. 
Quarterback, Arizona Cardinals. I, I said on the <laughs> pod that I thought the Cardinals being five-and-a-half-point underdogs against the Raiders was just legitimately um, embarrassing um, and disrespectful. I did not think they were that – they should be favored that much against the Cardinals. And then they were up 20-zip, and I texted you guys, boy, was I wrong. And then uh, the Cardinals won, and I texted you, boy, was I right. Um, that was a crazy comeback. It, they started playing well once they let Kyler just play backyard sports football. It was pretty absurd, but – uh. Yeah, I mean, he ended up with 26.88 half PPR, well, any type of fantasy points, um, 270 through the air, a touchdown, 28 rushing yards, a rushing touchdown, two rushing two-point conversions, including that one where he probably ran a total of 150 yards, which was He actually ran hilarious. a total. There was a next-gen stat. He ran 86.5 yards, Crazy. which was the longest Insane. The longest uh, anyone's ever run, obviously, uh, it, since Just they've been tracking truly on an extra – on a. Uh, Go for an extra, go for yeah. two, but uh, yeah, um, Kyler Murray ended up being a high end QB one, and I'm I'm not gonna like question starting him. Uh, yeah, yeah, you never I, should. Yeah, yeah, never, never, never. That 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 definitely happened, and you know what else definitely happened? The sun god rose again. Amon Ross St. Brown, who I have been singing the, the praises so of. I I called him as my um. As the uh, sleepers and the mid-range sleeper on the sleepers and bust episode, I was thinking about making him my hat hanger, and I probably should have, um, because he is absolutely killing the game right now. Continues to dominate at every facet of the game. He had two rushes for 68 yards, just adding to the repertoire. 12 targets, 9 receptions, 116 yards, and 2 TDs. Jared Goff says he's my number one receiver. I'm looking his way. And you just can't stop the guy. He's uh he's fantastic. I've been going on about the St. Brown family. And don't look now. It looks like Equinemius St. Brown is making a little name for himself, uh, catching as many balls as he can on 12 passes. Um, but when there are passes, Equinemius St. Brown is doing well with them right, relax. so far this year. Uh, well, he's starting. He's a starting outside wide receiver. And I've been talking about the, the St. Brown family for a long time. Fucking love this guy. And he did it again. And don't stop starting him. Uh, he's got wide receiver... Honestly, wide receiver one upside in PPR. He's basically Cooper Cup light at this point. Like he's just automatic every single week. It's a good it's a good thing to put because Jared Goff, like Jared Goff with Cooper Cup was Cooper Cup light. Like Cooper Cup was this before he was Coop, the Cooper Cup you know now with Matthew Stafford. Nah, no, Cooper Cup wasn't as good as I mean Amon Cooper Cup didn't now. even do what Amon Ross St. Brown has done. Only two receivers have ever caught eight passes in eight consecutive games before, and that's Michael Thomas and Antonio Brown. Um, I don't really need to say much from a dynasty perspective on Kyler. Uh, he's a top five QB locked and loaded at all times, but I'm on say Brown's cracking into the top 10 of dynasty wide receivers that you should target. Ooh, boy. Uh, so Matt, let's talk about this dynasty. Who's your first, uh, we saw that coming. I guess you're in the redraft portion here. Like you can't really be dynasty. I guess. Well, like I who mean, did you see a little bit coming from a, like a real mile away? Well, let's see how he, yeah, let's see it. how he attacks this. I'm, in, I'm curious. <laughs> Go ahead, Matt. Well, I mean, I think first and foremost, people need to kind of look at Dynasty in a lot of different nuances in the sense that, you know, you're rebuilding, you're contending, you could be a middling team looking for variance and, and trying to 
you know, acquire future assets while still competing. And there's just a, a thousand ways to build a roster, but it still remains mind boggling to me at any point in any build that people were allowing Michael Thomas to slide into the seventh and eighth round of dynasty startups. Um, he, he was an excellent by low addition and mid round draft candidate for any and all builds and trajectories, especially when considering his age and his production relative to his cost on the market. Like that guy's just never been anything below a wide receiver one in his career. And I've said it many times on the podcast as well. Uh, he, it appears that he's on that trajectory again, even with Olave kind of putting up these ridiculous air yard shares and target totals and Jarvis Landry eating into some of that passing work again. But Michael Thomas is the guy and he made all the big plays on Sunday against the Bucks, and he caught Jameis's only passing touchdown. And I mean, it, it's impossible to traject that guy or project that guy rather as anything other than what he is, which is just a phenomenal asset in both production and value standpoint. And if you are in a rebuild and looking to flip Michael Thomas, well, like the cost that you paid for him is, is relative to guys that are essentially worthless at at this point. um, If you're looking at, you know, some of the names that he was going near. So I, I mean, I'm just really stoked that Michael Thomas is back healthy in a lineup and looks as good as he ever did. But from a dynasty perspective, you can lock him into your lineups. You can load him up. You can trade him for something. You know, you can package a Michael Thomas to a true contender for somebody like a Devonte Smith plus, um, and you know, continue your rebuild. Or if you're a contender now, Michael Thomas is your wide receiver three, and he's putting up wide receiver one numbers back to back weeks. So boom, 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 the bombs are being dropped, Michael. I want you in my room. Who's your second? <laughs> Who's your second? Um, we saw that coming. Uh, my second, we saw that coming as, uh, again, we always say that the Thursday game um, tends to get forgotten about in the Monday pod. So I wanted to reach back to there and uh, go with Mike Williams. Word. Um, we were all about Mike Williams this week. Against KC, we had him ranked as a top 10 wide receiver. We got some questions about Mike Williams because you, you always get a lot of questions for Thursday games because you got to decide before every other team. Um, he went eight for 113 and a touchdown. I think he's, just, he's basically just an automatic uh, start and a wide receiver one anytime Keenan Allen misses time um he he surpassed his reception and yard total within like the first two minutes of the game against KC and you know it's just Mike Williams we know at this point he's very up and down inconsistent type guy but when he's been given the opportunity to be the guy he's come through um so if Keenan Allen is forced to miss week three Mike Williams is again going to be ranked for me as a top 10 wide receiver for sure. Love Mike Williams. Uh, another guy that I love coming into the year and that we kind of told you, hey, you know, don't panic too hard. Like one of the, my overreactions, uh, the first thing you heard from me on the first thing on a Monday in the episode was, hey, the Packers are not going to be uh, that bad. There's, everything's going to be all right. And Aaron Jones is going to be all right. And the people who are ranking a- uh, A.J. Dillon over Aaron Jones are malarkey. Don't listen to any of them. And if you started Aaron Jones, you were happy. 20 rushes. Uh, no, I'm reading his uh, his uh, complete stats for, for the year right now. <laughs> 20 rushes for 180 yards. Uh, 15 rushes for 132 yards, a rushing touchdown, three receptions for 38 yards, and a receiving touchdown. He was the main focus of this offense. And look, this is what you should come to expect from Aaron Jones. I was on the Aaron Jones bandwagon uh, in the offseason, but I, I said, like, yo, there are – times where Aaron Jones disappeared that just happened to be week one uh and you if you drafted Aaron Jones with that second round pick and you saw all those wide receivers that you could have probably picked before like all going off and like oh damn I I missed up out on these wide receivers uh don't you fret Aaron Jones is gonna be just fine and this week he absolutely killed it so Aaron Jones on the we saw that coming who's number two for you Matt 
It's uh, T. Higgins. Uh, T. Higgins put up his 10th consecutive game with more targets than Jamar Chase as long as they're sharing the field together. Oh, so, that it, is some bars, bro. That's it, bars. Yeah, it, I, I mean, I, w- I was trying to dream T. Higgins' value, and I repeatedly tried to sell people on his immense talent and mm. the fact that he can earn targets despite Jamar Chase's, you know, ascent and target share. But as we were starting to see kind of play out, and it was a bit of a worry, I suppose, I, I don't think it's panic at all, and I think you could still comfortably rank Chase as the wide receiver two overall in Dynasty. That's just fine. But he is very much a big play guy, and he doesn't command with the type of target share like a Cooper Cup, like a Stefan Diggs or Devontae Adams. That's just not his game. But T. Higgins plays a very similar game to Jamar Chase. So when he is earning more targets, he's put better numbers. And that's what we saw in week two. Um, They have Higgins recorded 10 targets to Chase's nine. So it's not like a huge difference in in their career shared together is like nine, five to nine, nine. So it is a very close, you know, um, allocation. They're they're essentially the same guy, but that's where I think people were getting confused with T Higgins and and ranking him, you know, outside of the top 12 dynasty wide receivers because he is so similar to Chase's skill set. And I know that he wasn't the generational prospect that that Chase is, but they're both in the NFL now and we're seeing what they can both do against NFL defenses. And whether you think it's a product of Chase being shadowed by the number one coverage man on any given defense is kind of irrelevant. What we're looking for is fantasy points. And when T Higgins is on the field with Jamar Chase, he gets more targets and puts up the same amount of fantasy points. And he does it at a kind of a more consistent base. His floor is a little safer than Chase's where Chase can boom higher than T can. But inside of that offense with a healthy Joe Burrow, regardless of how that offensive line looks right now, I think you can comfortably get on the bandwagon while there's still time and put T Higgins where he belongs to be valued, which is as a top five dynasty wide receiver. Okay. T Higgins, the, the T Higgins propaganda continues for Mr. Matt Ward. Um, (laughs) With that being said, there are some things that we, uh, you know, didn't really uh, get right last week. Don't tell nobody. There were some things that were a surprise. So let's get into the next one. The surprise, surprise players that did some things that we weren't expecting. Surprise, motherfucker. All right, Michael, who's your first surprise, surprise? My first surprise, surprise is someone we touched on shortly um, earlier. And yeah, don't pick him up, as I mentioned, but. Noah Brown was my first surprise. Five <laughs> targets, five receptions, 91 yards, and a touchdown. That sounds with, like a uh, good day to me. I don't Cooper know. Cooper Rush at QB. I don't know. That, was, um, that sounds like a good day. He got up and got some balls, too. I mean, he looked good, but he's also Noah Brown, a career journeyman who has not really done anything in his career. Um, CeeDee Lamb is still there, and Cooper Rush is still the quarterback, so I'm not going after Noah Brown. I'm just here to say it was a surprising game from Noah Brown, and... Shout out to him for for having a good week. And you should drop about 80% of your fab on him. Is from uh, That's straight from Michael Petropoulos. That is all from him. So just, totally. just remember, if Michael told you to drop 85% of your fab on Noel Brown. Totally. All right. Uh, I got to eat crow on this one. I was going hard against Amari Cooper. And I had all the reasons why. And all the reasons why came true. Uh, I Me do. Too. I do want to say this though. Sauce Gardner did get hurt in the game, so yeah, that so that so that is that that there is a thing. Like I, I was projecting him to be in, but he did do some damage with Sauce on the field too. So I can't really just put all the blame on that. Uh, Amari Cooper, ten targets, nine receptions, one hundred and one yard, and a receiving touchdown. Uh, 
Fantastic numbers for in a Mr. loss. Yeah, uh. in a loss to the Jets. Uh, fantastic numbers for Mr. Cooper, who honestly, the, Jacoby Brissett did not look terrible against the Jets. He looked like a competent quarterback uh, that could play, and Amari Cooper was uh, the the benefactor of that. Yeah, Amari Cooper looked pretty good actually. Yeah, he looked he looked good. He was uh, he looked like a good veteran cornerback. Uh, with that being said, uh, I mean a uh, wide receiver. With that being said, he's still Amari Cooper, and I'm not changing my outlook on him just because he had this one game. All right. All right? Pooper. Amari Pooper. That's what he is. Matt, who's your first? Didn't see that coming. Well, going on the dynasty perspective of things, you got to go a little deeper down your wires and a little deeper down your rankings to find somebody that really brings a surprise that uh, people aren't already rostering. But if for some reason Ashton Doolin's not already rostered in your league, I can guarantee he's going to be one of the hottest waiver additions in dynasty. Uh, He's now got consecutive games with six or more targets and a snap share above 80% and route participation above 75% in both of those contests. And yeah, week two was without Michael Pittman, but the Colts are really desperate for pass catchers right now. Um, Alec Pierce is going to need a lot more time to develop than I think they realized uh, whenever he is healthy right now he's out with a concussion and in concussion protocol and Paris Campbell is essentially being utilized as a route decoy um, they're not really targeting him they're not looking towards him he has an incredibly low a dot even for being what is supposed to be a deep threat guy but I think all of those lower body soft tissue injuries have kind of finally caught up with him and he can't be that field stretcher that he used to be uh i think Doolin has likely done enough to earn himself the starting role and number two spot on the wide receiver depth chart moving forward I think it can continue to garner above 15% of the team's con- uh, targets on a consistent basis. When Pittman comes back, that's not a huge target allocation to assume for the number two guy. And he's been productive with those numbers. So dynasty leagues go deep, man. And most of the starting lineups are deep and the rosters are deep. I, I think Ashton Doolin somebody that you can confidently add that he's not going to give you a huge value swing necessarily, but there's going to be a production swing for sure. And enough of these games strung together you can flip them for a third for what was essentially just a waiver wire ad michael uh my second my second surprise prize i'm gonna go with the uh just gonna go with the marlins Tua and waddle specifically i had waddle as my tear breaker down on the thursday pod and then on friday i I, learned that the entire (laughs) i learned that the entire raven secondary was out i didn't know the entire secondary was going to be out and i was like oh shit well a few a few of them played Humphrey played uh, Marcus Peters played but Marcus Peters looked like he wasn't at 100% like he was kind of jogging Marcus Peters played he played he got burnt Marcus Peters hasn't been good for like eight years though I mean he was he's been good on the Ravens it's just that he it's you know he he played but he was definitely hobbled like he was injured like the injuries definitely affected both those guys anywho they went uh they went ape shit as um as they say to uh (laughs) to with six touchdown passes by far his best game um, in his career, and Jalen Waddell, 19 targets, 11 receptions, 171 yards, and two touchdowns. His best game of his career as well. Um, it was just it was a glorious comeback. They had 14 points going into the fourth quarter. They ended with 42. Um, shout out to Tua and Waddle and company. Tyree Kill went in too, but you know we we like Tyree Kill as a wide receiver one, anyways. So yeah, shout out to those guys. It was a that was a fun game to watch as well. There were some. Crazy games this past week between the Jets, Dolphins, Cardinals, and company. Yeah, that has like game of the year written all over it for sure. That was that was insane. That yo, when I was watching Kyler Murray uh, spin around uh, during that game this weekend and do the things that he was doing, I was like, God damn, pretty nuts. Yeah, like think. Yeah, it's, it, 
It'd be really, really cool if somebody on the pod and on the Brodo team has been in love with Kyler for years. That would that would be dope. And if they made like an equation, like uh, E equals MC squared. K1's QB1. K1 QB1. Um, I'm getting into my second. Didn't see that coming. I got to give some love to my man from New York City, from the PSAL, the Public School Athletic League. In New York. Mr. Curtis Samuel. I, I, guys, Curtis Samuel is an afterthought. Baller. He hasn't been a he hasn't been a thing in a while, and not for uh, me. He's one of my highest rostered best ball players. That's very true. Let me ask you a question though, Michael. If even though you're the you kind of had him in all the leagues, right? But even though that was the case, I didn't expect him to be this good this fast. No. Did you imagine that Curtis Samuel would lead the team in targets over Terry McLaurin and have a, a higher target percentage than Terry McLaurin and be on the field for the exact same amounts of snaps? As Terry McLaurin? You know, I, I actually have a question for, for Matt. Yeah. From a dynasty standpoint. After these first two weeks, Matt, you're seeing McLaurin, Dotson, Samuel, how the targets are panning out now that Washington actually has some weapons. Do you think Terry McLaurin has been like a fake alpha receiver all this time? Yep. Or do you think the first two I've games? Said it for, I've yeah. said it forever. No, no. I've, I've said that forever about Terry, man. Interesting. He's a contested catch guy, and I think I think Terry is a phenomenal talent. There, there's no denying that and getting me wrong, but he was never one of those guys that would tear break into wide receiver one territory for me, and I think we're seeing exactly why now that there's a a healthy and competent receiver and a phenomenal first-round rookie talent next to him. Well, you got to love that. All right, uh, Matt, your last uh, surprise, surprise, surprise. surprise. I gotta give a little bit of honorable mention to that that Dolphins team because Tua threw for over six hundred or four hundred sixty nine yards. Six hundred um, yards six would have been nuts. like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that would have been the record. But also, it is the second highest TD total in a single game. And there's only one other player in NFL history that threw for over four hundred yards and six touchdowns with less than thirty five career starts. It's not hard to guess. It's Patrick Mahomes. So there's surprise, surprise, honorable mention for sure. Um, but my second surprise, surprise is Mr. True Value Olympics himself, Tony Pollard. Tony proved once again why he's one of the most efficient producers on a per-touch basis in the NFL. He scorched the bangled for 19.3 PPR fantasy points in week two. Uh, nine carries for 43 and a touchdown, 55 yards to the air, caught four of seven targets. The second most target allocation of any Cowboy that day. Um, I think it's one heck of a bounce back for Pollard two after week one dud against a really tough vaunted Buccaneers defense. Um, and it's what impresses me even more and why I think it's an even bigger surprise is Zeke topped my list as the bust and the entire Cowboys offense topped my list as tear breaker down. And Tony Pollard looked by far to be the most valuable and efficient weapon. Um, he thrived with checkdowns from Cooper rush, which we knew were going to happen and they didn't go to Zeke at all. Word. And he was a, much more efficient rusher than Zeke is because of those injuries to the offensive line. Like Tony Pollard can take those stretch plays and the counter tosses and the plays to the outside and then burn it up the sidelines where Zeke needs those interior offensive linemen healthy to create holes for his chunk gains. So not that it's good for Pollard, but he's certainly benefiting from the new scheme that they have to use with their injuries that they're going through. Um, so, I mean, it, as a value, it's kind of just one of those things where, again, you're going to need to see him in a increased volume role or Zeke get hurt for you to really find the return that you're looking for. But he's absolutely giving the production returns that he was um, allotted into his cost. Like, he is flex-worthy every week moving forward. Love it. Um, 
those are the surprise surprise and this is where the this is where matt i think this is where i'm going to be the most interested to see what you have to say uh this is the stock up segment players whose stock is rising after week two Something just came across my desk, John. It is perhaps the best thing I've seen in the last six months. Now, right now, John, the stock trades over the counter at 10 cents a share. And by the way, John, our analysts indicate it could go a heck of a lot higher than that. We are looking at a grand slam home run. Hey, grand slam home run. Tell us who's the grand slam home run, Mr. Michael, Mr. Mikes. Uh, my first Grand Slam home run is uh, Drake London of the Atlanta Falcons. Mm, the rookie nice. would probably, you know, fit in with Matt's little segment, too, for Dynasty. 82% of the snaps last week, 46% target share. Absolutely absurd, 12 targets. Look, the Falcons are just running their offense through Drake London, despite the fact that he's a rookie. Um, despite the fact that they have Kyle Pitts, week one, he saw seven targets, went five for 74. Week two, 12 targets, eight for 86 and a touchdown and a two-point conversion. Very similar to uh, to Garrett Wilson as well. Just the first two weeks, both of these guys asserting themselves as the alpha in their offenses. And Drake London going forward, you have to rank him as a – I mean, you have to rank him as a top, like, 30, maybe even top 24 wide receiver mm. um, week to week, even wow. with Marcus Mariota at quarterback, if he's going to be getting this type of treatment in that offense. Interesting. Really, you think he's a... Same with Garrett Wilson. I'm ranking Garrett Wilson in my top 30 receivers next week. Easily. Top 30 and top 24 is two different things. Possibly top 24. Oof. Uh, Let's talk about Garrett Wilson because that's my next stock up. It's, uh, you know, I know I'm a Jets fan, but honestly, bias aside, Garrett Wilson looked fucking awesome yesterday. He looked shifty. He looked quick. He looked slippery. He kind of looked a little like Justin Jefferson in his movements. Like, the way that his body moves. I'm not going to call him the best wide receiver in the league right now. But in his second game, eight targets for 102 yards and two touchdowns, including the game-winning touchdown uh, to seal the game. And he did whatever he wanted against a very good secondary uh, with the Browns. The Browns' secondary is very, very good. And Gary Wilson did whatever he wanted. And... Joe Flacco kept feeding him, kept feeding him over and over again. I think it's also a good day for Brees Hall. The young, the young, the two young rookies on the the Jets are stock up. Uh, we saw Brees Hall get to flash what he Hall, huh? can do. Michael Carter played even more a week too, so it's a little a little concerning. I think they, I think that I, I don't know, man. I I think that when you, oh, I'm sorry that I just got sidetracked. Stephon Diggs just scored another touchdown, and I traded for this guy in my home league before the season, and I love it right now. I'm about to put up 160 points in this league. Um, week two, uh, he scored a touchdown, seven rushes, 50 yards, had a big run, super efficient. Uh, I think that Brees Hall is looking up as well. I know that Michael Carter is still playing, but I just don't expect Michael Carter to, to hold off Brees Hall for that long. And I think that Brees Hall is looking up. I know that Garrett Wilson is definitely looking up. But, again, I think that Elijah Moore, don't he's not going to go anywhere either. I think that Elijah Moore is also going to eventually take some targets away some good from weapons Garrett Wilson. In New York. Some, good we- some good weapons. And right now, uh, you know, Joe Flacco, the best quarterback in the league, you know, just how, just how we drew it up. Elite, baby. <laughs> uh, so I think the, the young guns on the Jets, including Michael Carter even, because I think Michael Carter, you drafted him in the ninth round as a handcuff, and now he's a playable asset weekly in your flex so um with that being said uh yeah the jets young weapons uh, stock up with that uh matt who is your first dynasty related stock up 
I got to give a little shout out to the rookie wide receivers uh, th- this year too, to just give a, some credence to that, man. For anybody that was taking talent over situation, Garrett Wilson or situation over talent, rather, whew, uh, Garrett Wilson and Drake London are the perfect examples. Why you don't do that. That's why you don't draft sky more instead of Garrett Wilson. It's why you don't, you know, invest into players just because they have good landing spots or quote unquote starting roles. Cough, Damian Pierce cough. Um, this is why you draft first round rookie wide receivers that are have phenomenal rookie profile or collegiate profiles because they perform. Um, and another performed phenomenally was DeAndre Swift and name dropping DeAndre Swift as a riser in value are going to get people like, well, he's already a top 25 pick in startups this, this off season. And people had him ranked in the top five. Well, I'm crossing that threshold to say DeAndre Swift is making a certified case to be the number one running back in all of dynasty. Um, He absolutely has the potential to have that ceiling and he's performing at least in two weeks better than Jonathan Taylor has. We've seen that ceiling be higher than Jonathan Taylor in the first place. Um, And Taylor really is the only blockade to that argument. Javante Williams is caught in a timeshare for at least one more season guaranteed. He doesn't look to be able to break that timeshare with Uber efficiency. Um, Najee Harris is somebody that we as, you know, pod mates have always been down on, but now with a reduced volume share and the Steelers, you know, passing down the field a little bit more um, and splitting carries with, you know, rookie Jalen Warren as well has been detrimental to his production. So I really think Taylor is the only person that can make an argument to stop DeAndre Swift becoming the dynasty RB one. And, like a friendly reminder that JT's RB one season in 2021 was amongst the lowest cumulative RB one fantasy years in the history of the NFL. Like if if you were to remove all of CMC's touchdowns from 2019, he would have still had more points per game than Jonathan Taylor did in 2021. That's how important pass catching is for running backs. And Swift is undeniably his undeniable upside as a receiver has been proven over the last two games, over the last two years of his career. He's also one of the best pure rushers in the NFL that we're seeing. Like he's broken over a hundred yards in two games on limited touches because he's been hurt. Like what happened? That volume share increases to even just a little bit below a Najee Harris level. He has all of the things that the Colts refuse to utilize Jonathan Taylor as. So I think DeAndre Swift is the biggest stock up from a dynasty perspective because that kid's going to be a top eight pick next season, not a top twenty four pick. Uh, I love it. You know the, the the dude is good. That there's no doubt about that. Um, Michael, your second stock up, bro. Yeah. Um... My second stock up, Tim, is going to be a player, once I pull up my notes, that closed. Cortland Sutton is my stock up. (laughs) Because, look, Jerry Judy's dealing with an injury, like you noted. And, honestly, Russell Wilson can't play any worse. So, that's why I'm putting Cortland Sutton as my stock up up here. He's more of a... I I use this spot to kind of make... To say that Cortland Sutton should be a a buy candidate. More so than, like, a... uh, a stock up because four for 72 in week one on seven targets. So his and stock then, is going to go up. Yes. Seven for 122 last week um, on 11 targets. He, I mean, even when Jerry Judy was playing, I think it was clear that Cortland Sutton was like the main weapon for Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson has been taking deep shots with Cortland Sutton as well. Um, a couple of them have already resulted in long pass interferences. If those are caught, his stat line looks much better too. Um, I think Cortland Sutton has a lot some big games in his future. Um, I mean, hopefully Russell Wilson can start playing better than this trash Russell Wilson we've seen over the first two weeks of the year. Um, but I think uh, Corlin Sutton stock up here for me because one, he had a great week too, and two, I think he, uh, I think he's going to improve as the season goes on. Um, my second stock up is Allen Robinson. Oh man, thank God. That Why? Because his stock is up. Oh my God. It couldn't have gone any lower. 
And yesterday he had seven targets, five receptions for 65 yards and a touchdown. Yeah, and he ju- they called back a penalty on what should have been a second touchdown. So it would have been two touchdowns, 80, 90 yards. That would have been looked a lot better. Actually, but Medi- yeah. yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. Medical timeout. Uh, so they that got taken back for whatever the fuck reason. And so he his his line looked even better. Bro, he looks like a viable fantasy option. And if he's giving you... I mean, five for sixty-five and a touchdown is not ideal, but if he's giving you that, at where you at where you sell Allen Robinson, where you drafted him at cost, Allen Robinson is a guy that I mean, both of those things can be true. Like his stock is up, so maybe now's the time to sell him. Yes, I don't know if now's the time to sell him. To be honest, the 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 Rams are just scratching the surface in terms of their offense, and they're going to need someone besides Cooper Cup. Uh, They can't throw to Cooper Cup twenty times a game. Cooper Cup. I mean, they've been doing it for years now. No, they haven't. Over a year. No, I have not. This is the second year of doing it. 20 times? Never. Did Cooper Cup see 20 targets yesterday? What are you even talking about? I'm saying that they can't give him 20 targets. They got to throw to someone else. They have to. They've done it for like 20 consecutive games, and they won a Super Bowl doing it. Well, OBJ was there. (laughs) Robert Woods was there. Like, they need a second guy, and OBJ and Robert Woods were both viable options. I don't know why Allen Robinson wouldn't be a viable option. Lack of skill. might be worth noting, too, that, that Van Jefferson is still out. Yeah. Yes. More, even more reason why his stock is up. So, Allen Robinson, stock up whether Michael likes it or not. Matt, you're up. <laughs> Pat Fryermuth, tight end. Nice. Pittsburgh like Steelers. <laughs> I've said this several times before, but for all the new listeners and people with short memories, I want to remind them that Pat was widely considered one of the best tight ends prospects in like over a decade entering his junior year um, before Pitts had his final year breakout as Florida playing mostly a wide receiver position. Farmouth remains perennially underrated under the shadow of media frenzy that surrounds Kyle Pitts. Like people are talking more about Kyle Pitts's lack of targets than they are talking about how good Pat Fryermouth has been in the first two weeks. He, like his rare and impressive rookie breakout in 2021, people just completely ignored because of Kyle Pitts thousand yard season. And Patty F just quietly continues to perform at a level well above expectation. He's currently ranked second on the Steelers in all receiving categories, receptions, receiving yards, targets, target share, routes run, literally everything across the board. He's the number two ahead of Claypool and behind Deontay Johnson. And Kyle, Kyle Pitts doesn't even really look like the number two behind Drake London at the the moment and i know that's going to change like i'm not trying to get crazy about kyle pitts not being a generational talent i'm just trying to get people to understand how good pat fryermouth actually is as a 23 year old tight end when tight ends are not supposed to be this good at their portion in their career and he's got the confidence of the organization of his quarterback and obviously has the talent to be able to produce as a top five option at the position he's not even valued as a top five option despite his age and his production He's got all of that on his side, and I think it's time for people to start valuing tight end ahead of guys like Dalton Schultz, ahead of guys like Dallas Goddard, ahead of guys like TJ Hawkinson. I think it should go Mark or Kyle Pitts, Mark Andrews, Travis Kelsey, and then you can make an argument that it's Pat Fryermouth. Like I'm at the point of this in their careers, Darren Waller and Kyle um, George, George Kittle. Kittle rather are kind of holding on to that four and five spot, but Pat Fryermouth is more productive than both of them right now yeah. and is seven years younger. I mean, it's hard. Him and Mitch Trubisky definitely have a connection. I think that's the only person that Mitch Trubisky has a connection with on the field. And there was a little bit of concern with Pat's health because the concussions kept him out. And obviously we didn't know what the quarterback situation was going to look like with Roethlisberger. But where people were drafting him and where he's being valued right now, like what a steal. Um, I have a hot take, guys. And you guys know that I am. I love hot takes. I am a Mitch Trubisky guy. 
Oh he, he's my you're guy. You're just trying to piss me listen, off. Listen, listen. You're going to like this one. He's my guy. I have a hot take, guys. I, I have a hot prediction. I think... What's next week? Week three? I think that Kenny Pickett is a starting quarterback week four. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked at because all. Mi- because they have a Thursday night game. And Mitch has been playing fucking horrible. Uh, the, he's been playing absolutely Start horrible. their defenses on Thursday. Yeah, so... Yeah, but even, even after week... Well, I guess week one was a win... And it might have just been more of a confidence boost to Mitch. But Tomlin said that Pickett will likely sit his entire I don't believe anything they say. They could say whatever the fuck they want. I still think will be the first quarterback to start out of any rookie quarterback. I'm going to stand by that, stood by that the whole time, thought that before the draft, thought that after the draft. I thought I I saw that, but but, no. All right. Uh, Where are we now? Um, Heading over to Stockdown. Oh, that's right. All right, let's get into our masochistic, masochistic ways and end with the negative stock down. The worst day on Wall Street since the crash of 1987. The Dow traders are standing there watching in amazement. I don't blame them. We're now down 43%. Almost everything there completely wiped out. And the NASDAQ, everything and more has been completely wiped out. Let's talk about the speed with which we are watching this market deteriorate. All right, uh, Michael, who's your first stock down? The first lockdown is Russell Wilson, who lost to the Seattle Seahawks in week one. Um, he had 340 passing yards, but a lot of that was just a meh, you know, like not like not like really 340 worthful yards is worth worthful, worthful, <laughs> worthful. <laughs> worthful yards. Um, and he lost to the Seahawks in a big letdown. And then this past week against Houston, bro. 14 for 31, 219 yards, one touchdown, one interception, and they squeak out a 16-9 to victory against the Houston Texans. Look, I've been a fan of Russell Wilson for years. Uh, last year, I was saying Brian Schottenheimer and Pete Carroll were ruining him. And now he comes to Denver, and Nathaniel Hackett is doing a terrible job, but still, at some point, it's the QB's fault. Um, Russell Wilson has just looked really bad. Like he he's missing reads. He's he's holding the ball mad long. He's not he's not making plays. Um, so right now it's it's hard to trust Russell Wilson as a mid to high end quarterback. Like right now he's a low end QB one with not really much rushing upside. He hasn't been using his legs in Denver either as he has um, as he used to in Seattle. He has five total rushing yards on the year. So Russell Wilson stock down for me because it's uh it's not looking good for him at the moment. Uh, yeah, I agree. Agreed. This guy is fucking sucks. Speaking about guys who suck, Cole Komet. What the hell is going on with Cole Komet? Not even a single, not even a single uh, target, and I mean a single catch. Excuse me. And, a, yeah, yeah. Well, and when you, yeah, he's had some targets, but not even a single catch. And guys, right now Justin Fields has one fifth the amount of passing attempts that Joe Flacco has. One fifth. That's pretty nuts. I don't know what they're doing in Chicago, but they're just trying to run and run and run and run and run. And Keep running. I mean, to be honest, it's not even like – it's just not even – they can't get a first down. So it's hard to run any plays because they don't have any first downs. They're unable to get a first down. And this is Darnell Mooney too. Darnell Mooney sucked this game. He had to get a half a point. Um, no good from the Bears' weapons. Uh, this is the Bears' offense. Cole Komet with another donut, bro. 
That's what I just said. Fucking donut. I know. I'm just reiterating it because I hated Cole Komet so much this entire offseason. You did. Michael really and did. And people swore he was going to be a low-end tight end one, and people were so hyped to start their team with Cole Komet at tight end. Bro, one draft that me and Michael were in, I drafted Cole Komet in the 12th round, and Michael was like, yo, that pick sucks. I'm like, <laughs> like, bro, it's the 12th round. He's like, yo, I don't care. He sucks. And it's not all completely his fault. I think he's just a, like, I think he's a... Like, decent tight end. I don't think he's anything special. I don't think he's a donut back-to-back weeks type tight end. There's just that entire offense I wasn't expecting much of. But it's been even worse than I expected. Like, way worse than I expected. I didn't think it was going to be 7 for 11 for 70 yards in a two-touchdown loss to the yeah, Packers. Yeah, it's, it's incredible that they he completed more passes in a monsoon with 28-mile-an-hour wins and a torrential downpour. Um, and then everybody was, like, jokingly... Well, actually, you know, Boyd, one of our writers... Literally wrote like he's going to complete more than eight passes. You can guarantee that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And she was tremendous. seven passes in in sunny weather with a little bit of wind uh, when it was you know that's pretty tough. Yeah. Uh, just putting this out there, you know, we watched the games at the same time. They just showed Bryce Harper, and they're like, "Oh, Phillies, Bryce Harper," and then right next to him was Mike Trout. And they didn't even mention him. Then they showed like these B list celebrities that are in the crowd. Like, yo, Mike Trout is right there. Didn't even wow. call out Mike Trout at all. Um, where who are we on? Matt, who's your first stock down? And Burrow was ranked comfortably behind them, and I, I think that's crazy. The reason he's a low-end QB1 is he still looks like he needs to develop as a pocket passer. He's Again, he's hurrying his throws. He's really not enjoying standing back there comfortably with pressure in his face. Um, and although he has phenomenal wide receiver options, we've seen – pocket passers with phenomenal wide receiver options be able to support those options but not support their own top five point per game finishes or top five values um in dynasty so i think it's not time to like panic where you're dropping him to a qb2 or, or you're undervaluing him in super flex leagues as a, as a first round pick he should still be ranked in that that range but he's not justin herbert he's not lamar jackson he's not kyler murray or josh allen and patrick mahomes and, and you will have a long career tenure with him but i think tapering expectations now is going to allow managers to either you know prepare themselves to draft a higher upside Russian QB in the future or pay up for one as well. Because I think you would be happier with Joe Burrow as your QB two in super flex leagues where he's putting up low end QB one numbers and potentially some lower numbers than that, as, as we've seen pan out, than having him as your locked and loaded QB one and rolling with somebody like a Ryan Tannehill as QB two. Uh, you know, th- something I got to remind myself, something that I got to really like get my, uh, like really convince myself is, is there's, Two different statements. It's they've improved the offensive line and they've addressed the offensive line. And these these are not like it's like, a, you know, how scientists say Like, how do they say it? It's uh, correlation is not causation. Uh, yeah. Uh, the correlation is not causation here. It just just because you address the offensive line does not necessarily mean you improve the offensive line. One of the best indicators of having a good offensive line is how many years the unit has been playing together. I remember there was a uh, the the Steelers when they were going through their uh, their basically their dynasty years where they were like a co like every time the Patriots didn't win the AFC the 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 Pittsburgh Steelers did and they had the same offensive line the whole time and they had That's one of the it. best offensive lines in the league. Uh, so j- the Cowboys same de- same deal when they had their the, when they had their entire pieces. 
I say the Cowboys because one of the Cowboys, Lyle Collins, is now uh, on the Bengals. Uh, with that being said, Michael, who is your second uh, and final stock down? My second and final and stock down is someone I found uh, hilariously was climbing up draft boards at the end of the year, like far too high. He started getting drafted in like the fifth and sixth round, and I didn't understand it at all. And that's Ramondre Stevenson, mm. who uh, in week one, eight rushes, 25 yards, two receptions for two yards. And in week two, nine rushes for 47 yards, one reception uh, for four yards, nine carries, excuse me, and then one reception. And it's like, I don't know what people expected from a secondary running back on the New England Patriots, um, but I expected about this. Even Damian Harris <laughs> had two receptions last week and two receptions week one. Uh, more receptions than Ramondre Stevenson on the season so far. People were drafting Ramondre Stevenson to be a starting RB2 or flex on their team. I didn't really understand it. Look, he's unless Damian Harris gets hurt, he's going to be a frustrating possible start if he scores a touchdown you're going to be like yes yeah, i told you Ramondre stevenson was going to be nice if he doesn't score a touchdown you're going to be pissed off that you started him and damien harris seems to be the goal line back as well so it's like where what how is Ramondre stevenson going to score you the fantasy points that you want him to score for you so he's my stock down all right i've got uh i've got a few i've got a hot take here too yo jalen hurts just had a ridiculously crazy Touchdown rush. This dude's a big, strong man. Yeah, I mean, Jalen Hurts is uh, – I picked the Eagles to win the Super Bowl this year. I mean, that's a, to be in the Super Bowl this year. I'm expecting big things out of Jalen Hurts this year. Um, with that being said, uh, my next stock down is Kyle Pitts. Now, if you have any type of fan – like, I don't have to give you his numbers. He has had uh, three catches in two weeks total. He's been a complete no, – he's, he's gone two for 19 each of the first two weeks. There you go. So, sorry, four catches – uh, two for 19 each. He's been a complete afterthought. And honestly, man, like, look, the idea of having a tight end, I mean, I'm sorry, a wide receiver that is in tight end, that is a tight end uh, eligible in fantasy, that idea is a really, really nice idea. Right? It's really, really nice. You have this wide receiver who is a generational talent who's actually lining up on the outside as a wide receiver even though he's allowed to be tight end. It seems like it should be a cheat code. But I propose this. And it might be a little hot here. Does lining up Kyle Pitts as a wide receiver so often actually take away his advantages? Like, I mean, if they're going to make him run block. That's what, I mean, yes, but also Drake London, like, Drake London's having a whole bunch of, of success out there, like you said. So right now, instead of being the t a tight end where he can exploit matchups over and over again out of a position that is not made to cover him, they are, there's no one made to cover him for the tight end position. There's no linebacker in the league or safety in the league that can stay with Kyle Pitts. And when you kind of take away that edge that he has and you put him on the outside, now he's just the second option for the Falcons. I don't know if I'm liking that so much. Now, it might be an overreaction. I might be overreacting. And, and, and by, you know, I might be. I admit it. This could sound completely ridiculous in three weeks. But there is something in me that says, hey, maybe taking this um, incomplete freak athlete um, out of a position where freak athletes don't play so you have the advantage there and putting him instead in a position where freak athletes play I don't think that's as much as an advantage anymore. That's just me. But with that being said, uh, Matt, who is your next um, stock up? 
Yo, Stefan well, Diggs off, just scored three t- his third touchdown. My yeah. God. Sorry, go ahead, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to preface my next stock down by saying I think Elijah Moore is going to be just fine as a valuable dynasty wide receiver throughout his career arc, and I'm in no way looking to sell him as an asset. However, his offseason trajectory as a wide receiver one in fantasy and in dynasty um, and being trajected as a you know top 15 uh, positional asset I think is a little too boisterous considering that the Jets selected a wide receiver in the top 15 that has a incredible profile and is looking like an absolute superstar. Um, Garrett Wilson's undeniably going to eat into some of Elijah Moore's value. And he's honestly stymied some of the lofty expectations for Elijah in his second season. I think it was foolish to believe that the Jets would allocate such high draft capital to arguably the most talented receiver of the 2022 class. And if you listen to us before the draft, Garrett Wilson was comfortably ranked as my wide receiver one. Yes, he was. And not pepper him with an alpha level target share, which is what they're looking to do. Uh, The Jets have attempted 104 passes over the last two games with Joe Flacco at the helm. The same quarterback that helped support Moore's incredible rookie production alongside uh, Mike White as the backups last year. And in those two games, Moore has just 12 targets, uh, 11.53%, and Garrett Wilson sitting well above 30. So I think Moore can be valued kind of in that mid-range wide receiver two range for the rest of his range of career. And his range of outcomes. Wow, that was a lot of ranges. Home, oh, on the range. oh home, home on the range. But, but it's true. I mean, his leash is just a little shorter when you're projecting that superstar level talent that we saw was flashed at the end of 2021, that his rookie profile said was able to uphold, that his draft capital said from a historical perspective as a dynasty analyst that he can uphold that production and should have value insulation. I think a lot of that kind of got knocked out of the way by Garrett Wilson getting drafted where he is and pushed down a little bit, almost in a butterfly effect because Garrett Wilson has all of those things as well with an extra round of draft capital with a bit of a better collegiate profile. And if they're both existing on that offense, despite them being different receivers, different prospects and different roles, I you're going to take away some of what made Elijah Mitchell or Elijah Moore rather what he was to close out 2021. And that was an incredibly productive, high volume PPR asset. And without that volume, he's, I think a comfortable wide receiver too, but I don't think you're going to see him ascend the same way that we're seeing Rashad Bateman ascend the same way that we're seeing Armand Ross St. Brown ascend while they're the number one options in their offense in their second year. And it's, it's looking like he's kind of on a similar career arc to a player that we trajected him on, projected him on a similar career arc to begin with. And that's Devonte Smith. I think that, uh, I don't, I think that while I see your point, I'm not ready to, to hand the alpha, Alpha reigns over to Garrett Wilson just yet. He did get hyped. I mean, the Jets are. I mean, Elijah Moore still had the most routes run. I mean, I think it's worth noting, too, that no early declare under the age of 21 has ever maintained a 30% target share for the first two games in NFL history. Garrett Wilson did, though. I mean, I, I, he's doing everything. Look, Garrett Wilson like is great. <laughs> like that, that, that's I'm a pretty just... ridiculous stat. If, if you're if you're honestly saying like like yes, yeah. they can coexist, and pe- I mean, people should know that uh, how I feel about target shares being earned independently on the same team, so they can coexist. But Elijah Moore was being talked about as a top fifteen positional asset. I think that is too rich now. Oh, okay, uh, okay, I, I see what you're saying there. I agree with you on that one. All right, let's get let's. Uh, no, that's it. We're talking. I mean, people were yeah. drafting him ahead of Garrett Wilson. Like that's that's insanity. <laughs> All right, uh, Matt, where could they find you? 
You can find me at PsychWardFF on all social media. I got to get back into that Instagram grind and get some graphics up for you with my boy uh, at Third and Short with two T's. So look out for that, and obviously on Twitter as well. Third and Short to T's, uh, Michael. <laughs> At BrotoFF Mike. Uh, you can find me at BrotoFF Tim, at BrotoFF Jason, at BrotoFF Casanova, uh, at Broto Fantasy, at FF by Broto. Oh my goodness. Irv, Irv Smith. Smith just dropped an 80 yard touchdown. A walk in 60 yard touchdown. Oh, a 60 yard touchdown from Bro, uh, oh, Irv Smith is one of the most frustrating players. Like, he's never been oh good. My and we God. just keep getting tastes of it. He lined up on the outside, never... walked in. He's in the and slot. Dropped it. No, he's on the outside. No, nah, he's like, he, he does like a, a slugger. Uh, no, chair like around. a chair round. Oh, oh no, 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 that Jefferson. was Jefferson. Oh, yeah, you're right, you're right. He just lined outside. up on the outside and ran a go yeah, route. Oh yeah, he was. Oh, it was over Gardner Johnson's head, and no, he was going to the end zone. All right. Gross. With that being said, peace out, everyone. Uh, later. Later. Good evening.